I'd love for you to, to, to grab a Bible. We're in Malachi. It's the final um, part of our series in Malachi. Um, we took a break from it last week, and we had John Parker the week before, and he gave us a bit of an overview of um, conversation number four, five, and six in Malachi. Remember, there's six conversations that we see in this book between God and his people. It's been a journey as we've gone through this. And as I was preparing this series, thinking through the scriptures, reading them through, dwelling and praying, I kept feeling a sense of unease about it as I went through it that I couldn't quite put my finger on. Because this book has some really tough topics to grapple with, doesn't it? If you've been here, we've talked about divorce and marriage and singleness. We've talked about predestination and God's love for us. We've talked about giving God our best in our finances, in our sacrificial ways of living. We've talked about a whole bunch of things. But as I've thought, as I've prayed, as I've studied this book, I think what I've been left with is a sense of disappointment. Because after all that's happened in my Bible, 959 pages, before we get to the book of Malachi... You would have thought that God's people would have progressed a little, wouldn't you? This is the last book of our Old Testaments before you get to the new part. Maybe they would have changed a bit. Maybe they would have become the people that God wanted them to be after God's faithfulness and and love for them, and steadiness, and his gentle challenge over thousands and thousands and thousands of years, surely the hearts of his people would have shifted even just a little bit in line with his will for them. And yet here we are, right at the end of the Old Testament, and nothing has changed. Not even a little bit. They're still the same as they were right back on page three. And it feels like a bit of an anticlimax. Certainly left me feeling a bit disappointed. And as I thought about that, I wonder if that was because for me, I love the idea of legacy. You know, know, legacy? This idea that we want to leave our mark, our stamp on the earth. That is, I want to be remembered for something that I've achieved or for the good person that I was. Maybe for those of us who have grown up in really tough circumstances, or with parents that were pretty far off for us, we think the legacy I want to leave is bringing up my kids in the way that's going to be best for them and loving and kind. We think in the business world, I want to set up this business, I want to to leave it so that I can retire and leave this legacy. Maybe Maybe the business is going to have my surname as its title, and that's my legacy that can last beyond even when I die. I want to leave the world in a slightly better place. I want people to remember me for the good person that I am. And I think we want that because we don't want our lives to be for nothing. We want to have purpose. We want to have meaning. We want to be remembered for something for most of us, something good. 
Well, let's start to engage with what God has to say to us today. Grab a Bible if you haven't already, and we're in the last part of Malachi, and we're going to be looking at the end of chapter 3 and the beginning of chapter 4 as we look at this sixth and final conversation between God and his people. So let's read chapter 3 and verses 13 to 15. You have spoken arrogantly against me, says the Lord. Yet you ask, what have we said against you? You said it's futile to serve God. What do we gain by carrying out his requirements and going about like mourners before the Lord Almighty? But now we call the arrogant blessed. Certainly evildoers prosper. And even when they put God to the test, they get away with it. You see, right at the heart here of the people's struggle is a question. What is the point? What's the point? What's the point of serving God? What's the point of devoting my life solely to him? What's the point of serving him when it doesn't seem to make a difference in comparison to those around me? What's the point in being a Christian? And then our attention is taken straight to a scroll. Look at verse 16. Then those who feared the Lord talked with each other, and the Lord listened and heard. A scroll of remembrance was written in his presence concerning those who feared the Lord and honored his name. See, this here is the turning point in the book of Malachi. This is the moment we've been waiting for, where a small, tiny group of people get together and start talking with each other. This is a group of people who get serious about living for God. And I love this detail where it says, it says the Lord listened and heard. He looks upon this small group of people gathering as they decide to set him apart in their lives, and he listens intently to them. You can almost imagine him with a warm smile on his face as he sees devotion starting to flood through their veins, and he hears them. When God's people come back to him in reverence, and honor and devotion, he is so quick to listen. He's keen and eager to hear. He's just like the father of the lost son in Luke chapter 15 who lifts up his toga or whatever they wore and ran as fast as he could to embrace his son who once was lost but now was found. He just can't wait. And we're told that that this scroll of remembrance was written in the presence of God. Now these scrolls were lists of names. Lots of them were written for lots of different reasons. And in this one, each name was written of those who gathered together, those who feared the Lord. They would be written down in this scroll so that they would be remembered as those who honored his name. This is their legacy. Those who have brave faith and choose to step out from the safe crowd 
God says he will remember their names forever. How do we know? Verse 17. He says, on the day when I act, says the Lord Almighty, they will be my treasured possession. I will spare them just as a father has compassion and spares his son who serves him. Anyone whose name is written on this scroll is described as God's treasured possession. Their names, their life would be written down in a place that will last forever. Jesus actually picks up this language in Luke chapter 10 when he declares over his followers that their names are written in heaven. See, there is a way for you to act in this life here and now that will mean that you have a strong legacy, the legacy that God wants you to have. You may not even have a penny to your name. You may have no fame to speak of, nor any radical ideas to change the world, but that's okay. You will be remembered by God Almighty forever. Why? Because your name is written in his book. So how do you get your name in this scroll? To have your name remembered for all eternity. Because the people here, they're struggling to see the point of serving God. What's the difference between those who are, who are God's people and those who are not? Look at verse 18. It says, and you will again see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked between those who serve God and those who do not. See, the righteous are the ones with their names written on this scroll, the ones who choose to serve God. What does it mean to be righteous? Well, at the core of it, his heart is, is perfection, right? Absolute purity, This is talking about those who have done nothing wrong ever. So this book's going to be empty. Romans 3 says there is no one righteous. Not even one. And we know this just from looking at the book of Malachi as we've gone through. We've seen half-heartedness. We've seen defiled offerings. We've seen unfaithfulness in marriage and singleness. We've seen injustice. We've seen selfishness. And that's just scratching at the surface. People have always been and always will be unrighteous at their core before God. It's the story on page three, and it's the same story on page 962. And yet there is a way for the unrighteous person to be seen by God as righteous. Because in verse 16, the people fear the Lord. That is, they hear what God says and they listen. They take him seriously at his words. They hear the challenge, they listen to the rebuke, and they honor his name. If you take God seriously at his words, and come back to him saying, God, I'm, I'm sorry. He says he will love you. He will forgive you. 
and he will make you righteous, clean. He will remove all your failure and brokenness and replace it with purity and perfection. Why? Because in the words of 1 Peter 3.18, Christ suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. See, this group of people who were getting together and deciding to fear the Lord, they weren't the good ones. They weren't better than any of the other people around them. They were unrighteous just like the rest of us. And yet they took God seriously and they feared him. That's the difference. So God saw them as righteous and wrote their names down in this scroll that would be remembered for all eternity. So what about the unrighteous? What happens to those who don't fear God? Chapter 4, verse 1. Surely the day is coming. It will burn like a furnace. All the arrogant and every evildoer will be stubble. And that day that is coming will set them on fire, says the Lord Almighty. Not a root or a branch will be left to them. But for you who revere my name, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in his rays. And you will go out and frolic like well-fed calves. Then you will trample on the wicked. There will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I act, says the Lord Almighty. See, a day is coming, according to this, when God will act. And everyone who has ignored him and the challenge that he's given will be removed and punished. Their names will be forgotten forever. But, it says, for those who revere the name of the Lord Almighty, they will enjoy the righteousness given them by Jesus with healing and comfort in his name. I love this image. It talks about them leaping and frolicking like well-fed calves. And on this day, it says, the, the righteous will trample on the wicked. It doesn't feel comfortable saying that. But it's probably because I've not experienced any oppression or persecution, really, for being a Christian. For many around the world today, the destruction and removal of the wicked and those who stand opposed to God and opposed to God's people, those who ref- refuse to fear his name of the Lord Almighty, is good news. Because it means justice. And then we get this beautiful ending to the book in verse 5. Listen to this. See, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the hearts of their children to their parents. Or else I will come and strike the land with total destruction. See, if you feel like the end of the Old Testament is a bit disappointing, after all we've been through and all that God has done for his people, and God's people have not progressed an inch, there's a promise made here that Elijah would come. And you just have to turn over a few pages and to see that 
the fulfillment of these words are in a guy called John the Baptist, who Jesus himself comes into the world as, as a figure like Elijah, he says. And what's his purpose, John the Baptist? is to turn people back to God and to prepare the way for the great day of the Lord. To point people to the Messiah, the Christ, the one who would fix all the problem. And to show that there is a way to be safe from his judgment and enjoy the best life that he has for you now. And just a few pages on from that, you see Jesus, who comes to be the son of righteousness, He came so all your unrighteousness can be fully forgiven, freely forgiven through his death and resurrection. And all we're left with is the the words of chapter 4, verse 4, which are kind of God's last plea to us in this book. Chapter 4, verse 4. Remember the law of my servant Moses, the decrees and laws I gave him at Horeb, for all Israel. Remember. Remember all that's been written down. Remember all that has happened. Remember the decrees and the laws, my design for your life. Because if you want to know God's love for you that is based on his promise and not our performance, if you want to know how to offer God your best, in your life, not just giving him your leftovers, but rather having full devotion to him. If you want to remain faithful in your marriage and in your relationships, if you want to be just in your actions, if you want to give generously of your money, your time, your life, if you want to fear the Lord Almighty and honor his name, if you realize all you've done wrong, if you hear all that God says to you and feel the weight of your unrighteousness, then know that there is a God who is waiting to hear your cry as you come back to him. And there is a saviour who is willing to remove all your sin and everything it deserves. And if you come back to him and take him seriously at his words, just like this small group of people did, he will hear you. He will listen Your name will be written in heaven forever. And on that final day, when God judges the world, you will stand firm through his refining judgment because your hope is in Jesus and your honor is oriented towards God Almighty. And in response to everything God has done for you, in staying faithful through the disappointment, you can go in the name of Jesus and live a life of full devotion and faithfulness to him. Give him everything you've got and don't hold back. Imagine what people said after you died. What would they remember you for? Maybe your good deeds or the business that you set up. or May it be warm, full devotion to the Lord 
steady. And may it be a life that is flavoured by fleeing all the draws of the world that we've seen through Malachi and with a fixation on God Almighty and his ways that are best for you. And perhaps that means for you you've got to put off some things. Perhaps for you it means you've got to ask God by his spirit to help you put on some things. So let's take a minute now and as we've come to the end of this book, take a minute to, to reflect and to process all that we've heard and learned and taken on board all that God has taught us. So maybe you want to close your eyes and talk to God, tell him how you're feeling and what you're thinking. And Father, we want to be those who are known for full, risky devotion to you. We don't want to be known for our safe Christianity. We don't just want to be known for other things in life or our business or career or whatever. But Lord, we want our names to be written in your eternal book that will last forever. And Father, as we've journeyed through this book of Malachi, there's been huge challenges for us and huge encouragements. So please, Lord, by the power of your spirit, take these truths and plant them deep in us that we would know your will and design for our life and that we would experience the power of your spirit to live lives that are holy and pleasing in your sight, Lord God Almighty. Amen.